Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud and honor your mother and father. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with us? Holy and gracious God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. So, Disneyland, the happiest place on earth? It definitely can be if you are willing to pay the cost. Anybody been to Disneyland Uh, or Disney World? Uh, You probably know what I'm talking about. So last week, um, Jimbo and our two youngest boys, but who are adults, uh, Jacob and Emery, And I took a week of vacation, and four days of that was spent in Disneyland. Now, most of you know that I was super excited to go, and we had a wonderful time. It was magical. We drove there, so we left right after church on the 30th. We visited the parks there in Anaheim, and then we drove to San Diego to see our good friend Trudy, and then road trip home. And for four people who spent seven days in very close proximity to one another with only a moment or two of grumpiness, I'm not even kidding. It was pretty amazing, at least for this mom. We loved our adventure. We laughed. We spent such a good time with one another. Now, on the drive from the parks in Anaheim to San Diego, we were all talking about our favorite parts and our least favorite parts of Disneyland. And Emery looked at us and said, well, I didn't like those lightning lanes. Let me explain. The last time we were at Disney, I don't know, about four or five years ago, um, anyone who wanted to could go to a specific kiosk for certain rides, and um, you would get a fast pass. Essentially, it was a little ticket that said, hey, in four hours, come back between in this 20-minute slot of time, and you can skip the line and go straight on to the ride. So when some of the bigger or newer rides sometimes have lines that can be hours long, the fast pass was super helpful. You couldn't have more than one fast pass at a time, and it was first come, first serve. So whoever got to the kiosk to get the little fast pass first, um, that, that's how it was. 
And it seemed like there was some equity, right? Some sort of control over your experience. Well, all of that has changed. I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know what changed at all. But Disney has gotten rid of the fast pass and instead instituted the lightning lane pass, which is a special pass that you can buy to skip the line. There's no other way to do it. Now, I knew that I was going to Disneyland with three grown men. So most of my budget was already set aside for meals and snacks. (laughs) So I didn't even think about the extra cost of Lightning Lane, although I don't know if I would have done that extra expense anyway. But it sure affected us at every turn. So... For instance, if you entered a lane that said, like a a standby lane for a ride that said it was going to be 25 minutes, that's only for the standby lane. If people came in lightning lane, which was kind of a different line, they got priority and could skip you. And so your 25-minute experience in line could become much, much longer. So when those lightning lane people come through, they get priority and standby lane has to stand by. And there were a lot of lightning lane people. It makes you start thinking, what do these people do for a living? Like, what is going on here? The longest line that we stood in ended up being two hours long. And you know when I talked about that moment or two of grumpiness? Yeah, that was one of them. (laughs) We had wanted a relaxed and pleasant experience at Disney, but there were some costs we just weren't prepared to pay. So in the scripture Joe read for us this morning, we find a familiar but perhaps a bit challenging story. What we as a reader know from the outset is that Jesus is preparing for a trip. Literally, as Joe read it, he was setting out on a journey, we're told. Thinking about Reverend Sandy's own trip to Disneyland, I thought of the story as if it was Jesus' own road trip. Now, as I imagine it, right about the time that Jesus is getting ready to head out with his disciples, putting their final pieces of luggage into the car and climbing into their seats, a man runs up to Jesus and says, Hey, can I come along? And yes, truthfully, he didn't really say that. He said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? But again, stay with me here a little bit and consider the context. Journey, as I imagine it, or a road trip they were going on. So again, I'm imagining it. They're almost ready to leave. The disciples, perhaps they're in the back seat giving annoyed glances out the window. Peter, I imagine he's in, the, he's in the driver's seat revving the engine. Like the story is not subtle at all. To follow Jesus means to get into the car. Or in ancient Near Eastern times, to follow along the journey. But if you would keep going with me for this illustration. 
So as I imagine, this rich guy shows up all of a sudden with this big pile of luggage and a, a posse of personal assistants. You know, one of them is like carrying his coffee. Another guy is like <laughs> trying to show Jesus a shortcut via Google Maps on the way to get there, right? Meanwhile, the disciples are s- sitting there wondering what's going on. And they're sitting there in the seat, back seat like, that's not going to fit. Right? That ain't going to fit. And I imagine like John, the beloved disciple, because he's always with Jesus. He's probably standing next to Jesus, giving the side eye, you know, (laughs) like, what is going on here? Wondering what Jesus' plan was. Finally, Jesus lays down the law. You can't bring all this along, he says. It won't fit. Literally and figuratively. See, in this scenario, it's not that having lots of stuff and helpers is inherently wrong. It's that all this stuff is simply incompatible with the journey. I think we might say he was trying to have his cake and eat it too. The rich man wanted to come along for the journey, but he wanted to do it on his own terms, in his own way. Now, when Jesus told him, He couldn't come along without letting go of some stuff. Well, he was not thrilled to hear the news. The text tells us, the story goes, he was shocked and appalled. But interestingly enough, at the end of the story, it says he went away grieving, which I found interesting. When he heard this, he was shocked And he went away grieving. Now, it's something to know that there is a cost to your decisions. It's a whole different level to acknowledge that as you make choices in life and in faith, there is grief and sadness for what could have been, for what you've chosen to let go of or leave behind. In fact... We kind of thought it can be a sacred process to mourn what is lost. Oscar Wilde once wrote, Where there is sorrow, there is holy ground. Where there is sorrow, there is holy ground. And as we choose to move closer to God in our faith or align our lives and choices more closely with the divine vision of our world, Sometimes things get left behind, or we might have to leave things behind. They just don't fit. And we might be sad about that. And the way to work through that sadness is to mourn. I was thinking about my brother and sister. Now, this happened for both of them 10 years apart. But they both kind of started out their college experience in the exact same way. My sister is 10 years older than my brother. But they both entered Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, both 10 years apart, as music majors. My sister played the oboe. My brother played the string bass. Now, at some point along the way... Both of them had similar experiences of saying, and maybe this isn't what I want for my life. And both choosing to jump from that major 
to a different major without music? Do they miss their instruments? Absolutely. And they chose to let those instruments go, their music, that whole practice, in search of other dreams. In our lives of faith, we are called to discipleship, to follow Jesus with our whole heart. That can often mean that certain things are left behind in pursuit of a closer relationship with God. I just want to make clear, I'm not saying that not doing music means that they became closer to God. Anyway, I was just kind of thinking, oh, Steve and Sonia here. I don't, I don't mean that at all. Just... <laughs> <laughs> But when we give of our resources to God's work, we often have to acknowledge that we let go of certain things. We might, for instance, choose to spend one Saturday every month serving in mission. And there is a grief in giving up lazy weekend mornings or brunch with friends. And I'm not trying to be flippant about that. It just is. When you choose one thing, it means that you can't do other things. There is a real cost to discipleship. We often dance around the idea that our faith is sacrificial, but we don't really want to think about what we might have to sacrifice in order to truly live our faith. Or maybe that's just me that wants to ignore what I need to sacrifice. For instance, when we commit to increasing our tithes and offerings for the church each year, we know that there are some things that we're going to have to do without. Maybe some nights out throughout the year or even a weekend away hit the cutting room floor because instead... We choose to use our resources for the church or with a desire to live faithfully in our stewardship. So let's take a moment, even right now, to recognize and grieve that which never is or might never be. For paths not chosen we acknowledge loss. For experiences missed, we grieve. For for journeys not pursued, we mourn. For opportunities not taken, we weep. For people we thought we might be, but aren't, we lament. And in our naming of these things and our sorrow, we intentionally let them go in this holy act of grief. For those who know me or hopefully will get to know me better, you'll soon learn if you don't already. I'm a pretty big sports fan, and I don't really watch that much sports. It's just kind of like my soap operas, right? (laughs) My soap operas. So I, I tend to find a lot of life metaphors in the world of sports. 
And last Sunday evening, I was watching NFL quarterback Tom Brady lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a stirring win, marching his field, marching his team down the field uh, for the winning score in the final minute. Headlines later de- detailed how the first thing he said when he got up to the microphone for the post-game press conference, the first thing out of his mouth was, and I'm editing here, so stay with me, that was bleeping awesome. Fill in the blank there for me, if you would. It's really awesome. <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't say bleeping, let's just say. It was a statement which I found kind of curious. After all, his team had just improved to four and five after beating the LA Rams, who were themselves three and four. And more, the Buccaneers and the Rams, for that matter, have looked terrible on offense all year, and Tom Brady has finally looked like his age, 45, is finally catching up with him. Some envy there, too, for sure. (laughs) Yet for the past few weeks, that's hardly been the biggest story around Tom Brady. Rather, the biggest news has been his impending divorce of his wife, Giselle Bundchen who allegedly was upset about his insistence to keep playing football rather than retire and spend more time at home. Thinking about this Bible story about the rich man, I couldn't help but notice a correlation. Now, I don't want to... uh, I, I want to preface this by saying that in no way do I intend to demonize divorce, and my observations could be completely off base. But from my perspective, at least... When I saw the headline that Tom Brady had been excited to win that game, a poorly played game between two bad teams, I just found it really perplexing that he would be so excited and find that so bleeping awesome. Or really awesome, Steve said. And more, I wondered, to whom did he go home to celebrate with? Probably not his wife likely not his kids. And I just wonder, was that win worth it? And perhaps more importantly, we're talking about a guy who has won seven Super Bowls, who is worth millions of dollars, who is arguably the greatest, if not one of the greatest of all time to play his position. Has that not all been enough? What more does he have to gain? Perhaps I found this story so compelling because I caught myself doing the same thing. Last Sunday night, as that game was ending, Karina and I were out to dinner, something we don't get to do very often. Looking over my shoulder repeatedly to catch a glimpse of the game, Karina said, hey... Is that an important game? Not really, (laughs) I sheepishly replied. For Tom Brady, I have to wonder, what is the gain in playing another season, in winning another game? For me, I had to ask myself, what is the gain in seeing the ending of this rather meaningless game? Here on this final Sunday of our stewardship campaign, what is the gain in walking away with our hands full 
like the rich man. Not having been willing to give some things up, to give some things away in order to follow Jesus. In truth, as Reverend Sandy shared, there are some things we lose when we choose to follow the way of Jesus. Things that are tangible. Things that the rich man felt deeply. Money, status, power, influence. But the things that we gain when we follow the way of Jesus are indeed less tangible, dare I say, eternal. Meaning, purpose, community, welcome, inclusion. We find in Jesus' challenge to the rich man a challenge to our own lives, my own life. What will we choose? What will you choose? What will I choose? Let us pray. God, this story is a powerful reminder of the call you make upon us to to come and follow. God, uh, my prayer, Reverend Sandy's prayer for us this morning is that we would not be weighed down with the things that hold us back, but rather would be willing to let go of things for the sake of following you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.